This is Common Sense Man, where I make sense of common things. Using the good, the true, and the beautiful, I talk about parenting, teaching, and the issues of the day. Today's episode is, There's No Such Thing as a Non-Religious Man. If you ask most people today, who are the religious people, they'd say that some people are religious, members of recognizable faiths like Christianity and Judaism and so on, and some aren't. Indeed, many people now refer to themselves as spiritual and not religious. Jumping off from this, the political right and the left like to debate whether it's good or bad that more and more people are now non-religious. This debate, however, is based on a false premise. Because as we'll see in this episode, there's no such thing as a non-religious man, nor could there ever be. To understand how this works, we need to have a clear understanding of what religion is. We've covered this in the last two talks pretty extensively, but it's worth going over again. The reason that most people think there are religious people and non-religious people is that they think of religion as belief in God. If you believe in God, you're religious, and if you don't, you're not. So the thinking goes. Some take this a little farther, saying that to be religious really means to be a practicing member of anything I'd find in a world religions textbook, Christianity, Taoism, Buddhism, Islam, and so on. Anyone not in one of those clubs, according to this line of thinking, even if they believe in God, fits in that spiritual but not religious box. The problem is, though, this really isn't a workable definition of religion. As we discussed in the previous two talks, it doesn't fully capture how people in fact use the term when they talk about religion in education or politics. And even historically, the original meaning of the word religion comes from a Latin word that means binding. And what it meant in those days was primarily your duties towards your country, your family, your tribe, your friends, strangers, and yes, your gods, but not only or primarily the gods. The modern use of religion to mean a belief system about God, like Christianity, Judaism, Islam, and so on, that comes, I think, from this. These thought systems produce a whole way of life, a set of duties that encompasses everything. They claim to explain the purpose of life, the very nature of the universe, the fundamental truths that underlie and make sense of everything you could ever do. And hence, they bind you to a certain way of life. So what a religion really is at the bottom is a notion of the good, particularly of the highest good. It's your set of answers to these questions. Why should I live? What am I living for? What am I for? What's the most important thing, the highest good? A helpful maxim I like to use is that you can tell a man's religion by what he takes seriously. What does he consider to be of absolute importance? And on the other hand, what does he consider to be of only relative importance? Those questions, those answers, that's your religion. And every religion comes with a hierarchy of goods, an ordered system of all things that are good in order of importance. Anytime you make a decision, however trivial or important, you both use and form your hierarchy of goods. Whether I decide to stay up until 2 a.m. playing video games or to go to bed early, 
is in essence a decision about whether sleep is more or less important than fun. Everyone agrees that both sleep and fun are good, but if I am a habitual late-night gamer, I'm putting fun higher than sleep on my hierarchy, and vice versa if I instead keep to a strict bedtime. To take a less trivial example, let's say I am eating at a restaurant and I notice that the waitress made a mistake on my bill and undercharged me by about $30. Whether I choose to walk away with that extra cash or say something about the error is a matter of where truth and money lie on my hierarchy of goods, along perhaps with the waitress, my reputation, and other goods. Now, the hierarchy of goods we covered pretty extensively in the last two talks. But since today's topic is a bit more personal, I want to go a bit more in depth and talk about guilt. Let's say I do decide to walk away from that restaurant with the extra $30, but I feel terrible as I do so. When I feel guilty about a decision I made, when my conscience pricks me, what is happening? Well, one of the things happening is that I didn't treat one of the goods in my hierarchy with the level of importance that I actually believe or know it deserves. We are not robots. We have powerful passions, emotions, desires. In that moment at the restaurant, maybe my desire for that $30 was really strong, so I just went for it without thinking. Guilt is what happens when I have acted like money is more important than truth, but in fact, I know that truth is the higher good. Conscience isn't 100% reliable, of course. We can train it well or twist it or deaden it by our actions and by our good or bad thinking. But for now, keep in mind the idea that when I feel guilty, there is some conflict between my hierarchy of goods and my actual choices. We're going to need that idea again later in this episode. Another important idea is this. Once you understand the concept of a hierarchy of goods, you realize that the common modern idea that most of the decisions you make in a day are amoral, it just isn't true. What to have for dinner may be a very small decision with few consequences, but it's not truly an amoral decision. Your hierarchy of goods does come into play. Take this example. Let's say you have leftover chicken in the fridge that you need to eat today before it goes bad. But instead of eating it, you decide to just eat a whole box of Oreos. That's your dinner. And throw the chicken out the next morning. You'll feel guilty when you do this. But despite the common modern wisdom, that's not irrational guilt you really were treating some things in your hierarchy of goods as less important than they really are. So far, I hope I've made two points clear. First, religion is a notion of the highest good, what's most important. Second, religions come packaged with hierarchies of goods, an ordered system of all of your priorities in order of importance. And every time you make a decision, this hierarchy comes into play. Your hierarchy of goods, it's important to remember, is really just an expression of what you think is the highest good. Everything beneath your highest good will be ordered according to how it helps you get to that highest good. With that groundwork established, it's now time to ask, 
what is your highest good? What is the one thing that you personally take most seriously? What is the one thing that you seek, not because it gets you something else, but purely for its own sake? The one thing that never takes second place on your hierarchy of goods. At this point in the episode, listeners will fall into three groups. The first group is those of you who say, I know my answer, the highest good is God. The second group is those of you who say, I don't know what the highest good is. These two groups probably form the vast majority of the population. The third group, in my experience the smallest, is those of you who say, I know what the highest good is, and it's something other than God. There's a message in this episode for all three of these groups. First, I want to address directly those of us who say that God is the highest good. This is the group that even people who don't listen to common sense man would call religious. It happens to be my group, too. And if you are a member of a traditional world religion, this question seems pretty simple. The point of life is to do what God wants, and the only real question mark left is what exactly does God want? However, we have to pause for a moment and remember that maxim. You can tell a man's religion by what he takes seriously. Your highest good is what you actually treat as the highest good when you make decisions. Simply thinking that something is the highest good is not exactly the same thing. Let's take an example. Any believing Catholic with even a moderate understanding of the faith will probably say, if asked, that God is the highest good. Now, suppose someone goes on Twitter and offers every Catholic in the world $10,000 to miss this Sunday's Mass. Would they all say no? What if this was on offer every single week? Would all the Catholics hold out indefinitely? Saying that God is the highest good is one thing. Really living as though nothing is better than God is something else. And the question of what your highest good is goes beyond how you would respond to these hypothetical dilemmas. Ask yourself this, what do you spend most of your free time doing? What is the thing you most often think about? When you order your life schedule, what kind of things are taking priority, that is, are being taken seriously? And what's being fit around those important things? When you have an unexpected schedule conflict and you have to move or cancel something, what kind of things tend to never get moved? And what always gets moved? Compare here your religious commitments, your family commitments, your social commitments, your work commitments. What are you actually taking most seriously? Be honest with yourself. Moreover, when you pray, are you actually treating God as though he's the highest good, the best and most important thing in all of existence? Or, in your prayer, do you spend the majority of your time asking God for things that aren't God? Now, obviously, it makes sense to ask God for what we need. What I'm asking is this. In your hierarchy of goods, are the things you're praying for a path to God? Or is God a path to the things you're praying for? I talked earlier in this episode about guilt. 
and that it's often caused by us acting in a way that doesn't match the hierarchy of goods in our minds. So ask yourself, if you believe in God, what is the good thing that is most frequently the cause of my guilt? The thing that I'm consistently treating as more important than I know it really is. When you've identified that, ask yourself this. Is my problem here worse than just a lack of self-control? Have I actually ordered my life around this thing? Is it, and not God, what actually occupies the throne in my hierarchy of goods? I hope I've made clear so far that what you say and think is the highest good and what you actually treat as your highest good are not always the same thing, though they definitely should be. Now I want to speak to those of you who say, I sincerely don't know what the highest good is. I haven't decided yet, and I don't know when I will. Right off the bat, I want to make clear that this way of thinking is perfectly legitimate. What is the highest good is essentially the single most important question you will ever ask. So it makes a lot of sense to take some time to find your answer. But while you are trying to find out your answer, you're still living. And more to the point, you're still making decisions. And if you're making decisions, you're using a hierarchy of goods. So it becomes fair to ask, what's at the top of that hierarchy? If I sincerely don't know what the highest good is, can the top of my hierarchy be empty? The answer, I'm sorry to say, is no. Even when you are still legitimately deciding or you don't know what the highest good is, that top spot in your hierarchy will have a placeholder, even if you aren't aware of it. The reason for this is that whenever we sincerely don't know if something is true, we are forced to act as though the thing is true or as though it's not. We can be neutral in thought, but we can't be neutral in deed. To demonstrate how this works, let's consider what we do when we don't know if something is true in daily life. So let's say I'm about to go outside and I don't know, legitimately, if it's going to rain. Well, when making my choice, I'm either going to act as though it won't rain and leave my umbrella at home, or I will act as though it will rain and take it. Let's have another example. Suppose I'm out with my friends and we're two hours away from my house. And all of a sudden, I realize that I don't know if I locked the door before I left home. What do I do? Well, I can either act as though I did lock the door and stay there and continue having fun, or I can act as though I didn't lock the door and go home or call someone to go to my house and check the lock. Yet again, a third example. None of you listening know for absolute sure right now if there's a Siberian tiger in your bathroom. So right now, you can either act as though there isn't a Siberian tiger in your bathroom and continue listening, or act as though there might be and run for your life. Now, to those of you who aren't currently checking the bathroom for tigers, you might say to me, well, there's a matter of what's more likely, what's a reasonable precaution and what's not. I think about what the risks of being wrong are, how hard it is to find out, and so on in those kinds of situations. And all of those things are definitely relevant in what you decide to do when you don't know something. But, and this is key, 
What those factors are all relevant for is in deciding whether to act as though it's going to rain or as though it's not, whether to act as though there's a tiger in the bathroom or as though there isn't. I want to really underline this point. When you don't know if something is true, you still have to choose to act as though the thing is true or false. I want to really underline this point. When you don't know if something is true, you still must choose to act as if it's true or false. If paint splatters all over my car windshield and I can't see, I legitimately don't know if anything's in front of me, I stop the car. That is to say, I can't see if there's anything in front of my car, so I act as though there is something. If I get up in the night and I can't see because all the lights are off and I don't know if my kids covered the floor with Lego, if I choose to walk to the bathroom anyway, I am acting as though the floor is not covered with Lego. And this principle also applies to God. If you legitimately don't know if God exists, you still ultimately have to choose to live as though he does exist or to live as though he doesn't. If you've heard of Pascal's wager, the famous philosophical argument, this was his starting point. If you don't know if God is real, you're still going to have to live either as though he is real or as though he isn't. And of course, the same thing is true of your highest good. When you don't know if God or wealth or comfort or pleasure or fame is the highest good, you're still doing the reasoning, well, not knowing is okay. But it will still entail acting as though one of those things is or isn't the highest good. And it is impossible, in principle, for the top slot in your hierarchy of goods to be empty. You will treat something as though it's your highest good, even if you're still intellectually undecided. Let's recap for a second. So far, I hope I've made the following points. Religion is a notion of the highest good, what you take seriously. To make any decision at all, you employ a hierarchy of goods, and therefore you must have some good at the top. That's why there's no such thing as a non-religious man. Two other points are key. First, what you say is the highest good may not necessarily be what you actually treat as your highest good. And second, even when you sincerely don't know what the highest good is, you necessarily have to treat something as the highest good. With all of that laid, we're now going to get to the most important question of the episode. Is the thing I serve is what actually sits on the throne of my hierarchy of goods, is that actually the best thing there is? To begin thinking about this question, and I know my listeners have different answers to that question, but regardless of your answer, start by asking this, am I unhappy? Do I find my life fulfilling, meaningful? If your answer is no, I would suggest two possibilities. Either you have chosen poorly among the gods, the thing you think is the best thing ever really isn't. Or you don't serve what you think you serve. You may intellectually have the correct answer, but you're not actually living as though that thing is the highest good. 
First, think about what your life is ordered around. What do you spend most of your time thinking about? What do you pursue for its own sake? What, at the absolute bottom, is the reason for everything you do? Then ask yourself, how sure am I that this thing really is the best thing there is? Can I argue for it? Can I make the case to others that this is the highest good? Can I prove that this is better than other possible highest goods? Have I ever really seriously considered any of the alternatives? Was my decision to make this thing my highest good a truly reasoned, thoughtful decision? Or have I just kind of pursued it because it seemed right? Remember, what you treat as the highest good is your religion. It is the basis for every decision you make. If you get this question wrong, unhappiness is exactly what you should expect. Now, for those of you who would say, but I don't know what the highest good is. Remember, in the meantime, you still have to live. You're still therefore going to treat something as the highest good. Ask yourself, are you conscious of what your placeholder highest good is? Yes, you're still thinking about what the highest good is, but have you decided, well, until I make my final decision, I'll treat this as the highest good? Is that what you're doing, or are you just kind of winging it? Are you just doing what seems to make sense in the moment? Because whether you're aware of it or not, something always sits on that throne. On the other hand, if you're very sure that you know what the highest good is, you feel you can explain it, you can prove it, but you still feel unhappy, then maybe the problem is you're not actually serving what you think you're serving. To take an example, very few people in the world would intellectually argue that comfort is the absolute highest good in all of the universe. But quite a lot of people are living as though it is. So I would suggest taking a step back and asking, whatever your highest good is, what would a life truly lived for this thing look like? Is that what my life looks like? And if not, what principle does explain my life? Perhaps serving this other thing is what's making me unhappy. Everyone on this planet serves something, some notion of the highest good. So despite what many modern people think, there is no such thing as a non-religious man. And you can tell a man's religion by what he takes seriously. That principle is key to understanding yourself, others, and the world around you. Thanks for listening to Common Sense Man. And join us for our next episode, where I'll be talking about love, marriage, and the good. <laughs>